Hello and welcome to Mr. Mar's History Podcast. Google Mr. Mar History to get more help with Nationals Higher and Advanced Higher History. In today's lesson, we will discuss the events which finally led to women gaining the right to vote in UK elections. Until 1918, no women had the right to vote for their national government, and there were various reasons for this. Some of them was the view that women were not suited to the rough and tumble of politics and could not understand the decisions that would be made. Furthermore, some suggested that as governments could make decisions about Britain going to war and women did not serve on the front line, they had no right to be making such decisions. It's also worth remembering that until 1918, one third of men did not have the right to vote in Britain. And given the dominant role of men in society, some people took the view that it would be unacceptable for a woman to vote whilst the man was excluded from doing so. Interestingly, many women supported this view, perhaps most famously Queen Victoria, who once described the idea of women voting as a mad, wicked folly. Women wanted the right to vote for the same reason as men. They wanted to be treated as equals in society. They believed that if they did not have the right to vote, it diminished them as a person and also made it unlikely that the government would take the type of action that they wanted to see. Women would eventually succeed in their campaign, but only after decades of work. There were various reasons that led to this. This focused on changing social attitudes, male political progress, the impact that peaceful and violent pressure groups had, the role of World War I, the impact of political advantage, and finally, the role that other countries had in influencing Britain. By the time the late 1800s and the early 1900s came about, society's view of women was beginning to change. There were more and more women working, women indeed were at the heart of the Industrial Revolution, and alongside this women were gaining more legal rights. This included the Infant Custody Act of 1873, which gave women more chance of keeping their children after divorce, or the Local Government Act of 1894, which gave some women the right to vote in local elections. In many cases, women were also the main earner in their houses. For instance, mill workers in Dundee tended to be female, and sometimes husbands could not even get a job. World War I played an important role in helping change attitudes towards women as well. As the men were sent overseas to fight, and women did the jobs that had been left vacant, this undermined any idea that they were irresponsible and incapable. Furthermore, the suffragettes suspended their violent campaign to support the war effort, again showing their responsibility. As more and more women gained legal rights, this was evidence that negative attitudes towards women were beginning to change, thus enhancing the idea that women were responsible and deserving the right to vote. It was difficult to argue that women were capable of playing a major role in the war effort or in supporting Britain's economy, but at the same time could not be trusted to choose their own government. However, there is more to understanding why women gained the right to vote than this. For instance, working women were not a new phenomenon. Working women had existed since the days of the Industrial Revolution, and as a result, it would be wrong to suggest that simply because more women worked was the reason alone they got the right to vote. In addition, it's worth noting that when women did first gain the right to vote in 1918, it was only some women, generally welfare women aged 30 and over, when in fact many of the women doing some of the jobs, especially dangerous ones during the war, were under 30s and poorer. 
the very women who didn't get the right to vote. This suggests that other factors may have played a role, which could include male political progress. Men had been gradually gaining more right to vote in Britain. Middle-class men got the right to vote in the Great Reform Act of 1832. The skilled working class gained the right to vote in 1867. More working-class men gained the right to vote in 1884, meaning around two-thirds of men could vote. And finally, in 1918, all men aged 21 and over had the right to vote. Given that one argument that women had not gained the right to vote is because not all men could vote, this was undermined in 1918, when finally all men had the right to vote. As such, some people argued that it would be unacceptable for poor working-class men to vote, whilst upper- and middle-class women could not suggesting that women needed to be given the vote. Many campaigns at the time pointed out the responsible roles that women could play in society, such as mayors, doctors, teachers, factory workers, contrasting that with men who could feasibly be unemployed or refuse to fight and also have the right to vote. Again, though, this is not the full picture. For instance, working-class men gained the vote in 1867 and again in 1884. If women being allowed to vote was simply about the class system, then middle and upper class women would likely have gained the vote many years before. Instead, some people point to the impact of pressure groups, both peaceful and violent. The most prominent peaceful women's pressure group was properly called the National Union of Women's Suffrage Societies, or more commonly the suffragists. They took part in a range of peaceful campaigns, including meetings, petitions and hold parliamentary bills. They also worked with the new Labour Party to support a votes for all campaign. The fact that the suffragists engaged in peaceful protests showed that they were responsible, and this supported the idea that women deserved the right to vote. In addition, this peaceful campaigning brought them into direct contact with a range of MPs and again persuaded them to back the campaign. However, it was worth noting that, ironically, the peaceful nature of the suffragists may have undermined their campaign. The fact that they were relatively easy to ignore because of their use of responsible methods allowed the government to simply not take account of them. It's no accident that women had been campaigning for years without any particular success. This in turn led to the rise of violent pressure groups. Properly called the Women's Social and Political Union, the more commonly called suffragettes used a range of very violent methods. They would go on hunger strike once in prison. They took part in arson and vandalism. And most famously, in 1913, Emily Davison in fact died after she ran in front of the King's Horse at the Derby. This gave the campaign for women to gain the right to vote a massive profile. It meant that the issue of women voting was regularly discussed in newspapers and Parliament and across the country. And this increased pressure on the government to act. However, Violent women also played into the idea that women were emotional, incapable and irresponsible, and thus undeserving of the right to vote. This, in turn, undermined the suffragists' campaign. Furthermore, the suffragettes would not back Labour's votes for all campaign. Another problem for women was that at the time, the British government was facing violence in places such as Ireland, where there was rebellion to try and remove British rule. Many in the government believed it would be wrong to give in to women's violent actions as this would simply encourage people elsewhere to do the same. World War I, then, was another factor which helped women gain the right to vote. 
women played a hugely vital role in this. They carried out not only jobs which men had been doing at home, such as farming, police officers and working in factories, but they also played a major role in the war effort, including working in munitions factories. The dangerous chemicals which existed in these factories often turned women's skin yellow, giving them the nickname Canary Girls. And throughout the war, women gradually gained more and more power. For instance, in 1915, Edith Smith was the first police woman to be granted the power of arrest. World War I also helped because the suffragettes and suffragists both showed their responsibility by suspending their campaign during the war. At the end of the war, it is argued, therefore, that women gained the right to vote as a thank you for all of their various wartime efforts and for the responsible actions of the suffragettes and suffragists to support Britain's war. However, this is possibly too simple. For instance, not all women gained the right to vote, only those aged 30 and over who met certain criteria. Whereas, in fact, many of the women who did some of the most dangerous and important wartime jobs were in fact single women under 30, the very women that did not gain the right to vote. Some people therefore look at the issue of political advantage, that is, political parties taking part in actions which they hope will benefit them. For many years, the Liberals in government had resisted giving the rights to women to vote, even as they introduced other social changes. Not only had they refused to give women the right to vote, they had also introduced a number of laws which had hugely angered uh, women campaigners, including the Cat and Mouse Act, which tried to undermine women's hunger strikes when they had been arrested. However, in 1918, the Liberal-led government eventually decided to do so. Some people suggest that this is because the Liberals were worried about the rise of the new Labour Party. The suffragists, for example, were working with the Labour Party on a Votes for All campaign. Some people believe that the Liberals chose to give women, and indeed working class men, the right to vote in the hope of stopping the new party and gaining votes from them. However, it would perhaps be unfair to suggest that it was simply the rise of the Labour Party which led the Liberals to back Votes for Women. For instance, David Lloyd George, who became the Prime Minister in 1916, was known to be supportive of the idea, and many of the other changes that the Liberals introduced at the time, such as pensions and unemployment benefit, support the idea that they were interested in bringing genuine reform to the country, not simply because of the Labour Party. Finally then, others suggest that other countries may have had an impact on Britain's decision to give women the right to vote as well. In 1918, Britain was the head of a global empire, and would expect therefore to be the leader of that empire. However, in 1893 in New Zealand, in 1902 in Australia, and in 1916 in Canada, areas which were supposed to be under British control gave women the right to vote. Not only this, British women were inspired by the suffrage campaigns which were taking place in countries all around the world, including the aforementioned countries, and also prominently in places such as the United States. Many suggest that this undermined Britain's war effort. If Britain was arguing that liberty was needed and people's freedom and that that's what the war was about, it was difficult to argue this at the same time as women were being refused the right to vote. Britain therefore may have given women the right to vote so that they did not seem to be undermined by other members of their own empire. In addition, it can also be argued that other countries, including Germany, obviously play a role in the start of World War I which in itself helps women gain the right to vote.
However, again, this is perhaps too simplistic to say that it's the only factor. Many other powerful countries, including Britain's allies, France and USA, failed to give women the right to vote until after Britain. The same could be also true of countries such as Spain. In addition, many of the countries that gave women the right to vote did so without any conditions, unlike Britain that at first only allowed certain women to vote, including those aged 30 and older.